G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, there are two state elections coming up. This coming Saturday, it'll be Tasmania's turn to go to the polls. We're planning a special election preview on Friday with an expert commentary panel. Look forward to that on Friday. Then two weeks after, on the 17th of March, South Australian voters will go to the polls. And so an opportunity today to talk through some things South Australian as well as some things that are national. Uh, Christopher Broyer is the State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby in South Australia. And Christopher is joining us. Hello, Christopher. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, thanks, Neil. How are you going? Very well, thank you, Christopher. And first time we've spoken, and great to hear your thoughts today. Uh, you're in South Australia. You're monitoring very closely what's happening with the South Australian election. I'll get your thoughts in just a few moments because there is one significant national story that I'd like to hear your thoughts on. Uh, we have a new Deputy Prime Minister as of this morning, Michael McCormack. Uh, what are your overall impressions of the way things have happened with Michael McCormack and uh, and the vote this morning that puts him into the top job for the Nationals? Well, it's clear that the Nationals have been through a very difficult time over the last two, three weeks to a month. And it's our hope, my hope and ACL's hope, that this change will bring in stability uh, into government because we desperately need that in Australia, but also a heightened level of integrity I think reflecting on what's happened, it shows that to the mind of the public, private conduct is inextricably linked with public office because it was very clear that what happened in Mr. Joyce's life, that there was a strong reaction from the public against his conduct. And it's really encouraging to me, to, to, to see that the public expects a spouse to be faithful. Now, I don't make any judgment on Mr. Jo- Joyce. Every one of us stands before God as imperfect, broken sinners. But there is that deep sense across the board, it would seem, that we still, despite this culture of permissiveness, we still expect fidelity. And fidelity in private life affects fidelity in public life. So where I'm hopeful that this change to Mr. McCormack from New South Wales, I think he's the the member for Riverina, will bring in uh, a new level of stability and integrity and accountability privately and so affecting public office. Christopher, would you say that there has been a significant statement made uh, in the resignation of Barnaby Joyce and now the uh, 
uh, election of a new leader for the National Party to be the uh, new Deputy Prime Minister. Just the fact that there could have been the situation where Barnaby Joyce have could have been just forgiven by everybody and continued on regardless of uh, the scandal that had come about over these past few weeks, but there is something significant, I imagine. What are your thoughts on just the fact that there has been a change in leader? It does make a statement about morality in Canberra, doesn't it? I think that's right. I think that's what I was suggesting when I said that private conduct affects public office, and we expect private integrity and public integrity. Now, we all understand that Tough things happen in life. The job of a federal parliamentarian is very, very tough on families. And breakdowns happen. That's, that's life. I'm a, I'm a practicing lawyer. Um, the family jurisdiction is a burgeoning jurisdiction, very regrettably, in Australia. But it, it shows, I think, that we still expect that core fidelity of a spouse to their spouse. That is very important. And I think it also shows that we're, we're not just prepared to let people wash things over us um, uh, and to, um, I, I think, respectfully, it was a mistake for Mr. Joyce to get up last week and say there's nothing to be seen here. Uh, I think the people didn't think that. I almost think there's uh, alarm bells ringing when you hear people say, nothing to see here, time to move on. Uh, oftentimes that brings the extra scrutiny that is uh, often forthcoming. Let's move on so we don't waste the opportunity to talk about what's happening in your state. You're in South Australia, and Christopher is the state leader of the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, you'll be looking forward, uh, three weeks really it is away now, to the South Australian election. Uh, you've got Labor Premier Jay Wetherill, Opposition Leader Stephen Marshall, and you've got Nick Xenophon, who's a dark horse in some sense here, leading SA Best. Uh, your overall feeling about how things are progressing towards that South Australian election. Uh, it's a very complicated election because uh, probably for the first time there is a real third force in in a full-on general election in Australia. Um, we're used to having minor parties. We're used to having parties in the upper houses to keep the major parties honest. But the intervention of SA Best into this election and their... Um, if you believe the polls' uh, strong attraction of voters, means that this could well be a, a tripartite contest, which is it's sort of almost unprecedented in in Australian politics. But what, as a, from ACO's point of view, we're looking for policies that are addressed to human flourishing, and we see important issues that we're calling on the parties to address and the. Uh, such as safe, the Safe Schools Program, which we think is very dangerous, and we're glad that the Liberal Party has has promised to go one step towards it by by abolishing the Shine Essay Program. We, we ask them to do more, and I'll explain that later. Um, there's a significant issue to be addressed uh, of euthanasia and how we deal with end-of-life issues and palliative care, and we're calling on the parties to commit to providing increased palliative care. We're pressing for 
prostitution law reform and the enactment in South Australia of the Nordic model, which I'll explain in a minute, but we're really excited about that. And we're pressing for the a strong return to the concept of religious freedom uh, and some other issues as well. There are all there are the issues which are being debated in the public sphere, uh, but we see these are core issues going to human flourishing. I want to come to those. Uh, we'll spend just a moment talking about some of the weekend agenda items. Uh, there's a number of things came to the fore on the weekend. Of course, Australian Conservatives were quite significant in the headlines as a minor party, and yet uh, they'd be hoping that there's a vote that will go to the Australian Conservatives, of course, led by uh, Corey Bernardi, but there's a couple of members there in the South Australian Parliament. They were talking on the weekend about nuclear energy and the possibility of a waste dump. Uh, do you think uh, those sorts of things are being talked about or are those sorts of issues important for the South Australian election? I think the big issue that underlies that discussion about nuclear energy in South Australia is the critical need for a reliable power source in Australia, in South Australia. We were the first state in Australia and perhaps in the world that had a complete blackout uh, two or three years ago. I was in Brisbane at the time and people were laughing about us. Now, that was, I believe, a policy mistake that led to that. And it's in, uh, part of ACL's charter is a just society. And in the 21st century, access to cheap, reliable power is part of a just society. Uh, I can give you examples of a friend of mine uh, who can't afford to put his fan on in the summer because of power. Mm. Of <clears throat> other people I know who are middle class people who don't turn the heaters on in winter because of power. So this is critical, and I think we have to look at all options, and one of the issues we have to consider is we have the biggest single deposit of nuclear power. Now, we have to consider that. We can't shut our minds to it. Uh, so I think the underlying issue is critical. We have to have cheap, reliable, baseload power, and we've got a problem in South Australia with that. Okay, the Australian Conservatives raised nuclear energy as an issue on the weekend. Uh, the Liberals, they were talking about abolishing screening fees paid by volunteers working with children. You had Nick Xenophon over the weekend uh, talking about $5 million to boost local live music. Uh, just uh, quickly on that, some might see that as just a pitch to young voters. Uh, probably a clever pitch too, do you think, uh, from Nick Xenophon? Um I'm not sure if he spoke of five million. I thought he was talking about an increased 1.25 million on top of the 850 that's already going from the pokies. Okay. So, but leaving aside the exact numbers, um, it may be a clever pitch, and uh, government has to consider issues like the arts. That's that's very important. But we, I believe that if you're really looking at the flourishing of youth, then you've got to, the, the big issues that face us are the issue of how our children are being taught about to think about themselves. That's a safe schools issue. And then the importance of bringing in a proper religious education structure into schools, because that is what gives young people a capacity to see that they are 
valued and loved by a creator God and not just pieces of flotsam on this, this um, millennial soup that, that a lot of young people feel they are. The, the value of the individual, the worth of each person, they're the sort of things we've got to be getting our young people to consider. Uh, Christopher, uh, as we're talking through some of these issues, overall, where you've got uh, Labor and the Liberals, uh, where you've got Nick Xenophon, uh, the uh, SA best, uh, is there a, a certain sense in which uh, Labor as the incumbent government have uh, any advantages here? They were promising uh, to make electric cars cheaper in South Australia, waiving stamp duty and rego fees, uh, forcing the publication to of real-time fuel price data. Are these the sorts of things, hip-pocket sort of issues, that seem to be uh, quite significant in this election? So, certainly, the hip-pocket issues are, are important because in the end people vote... Uh, often on how it's going to affect me in the end, how am I going to balance my budget. I think on those two specific issues of um, price watch for uh, fuel and electric cars, I have a concern about government picking winners, and you just have to roll the clock back uh, a few years, and these two policies were run by the Rudd government, the green car, which failed, and fuel watch, which failed. So there are real... I'm not taking a partisan political line, but there are real technical questions how to get something like Fuel Watch up. Okay. Uh, and it couldn't be done under the Rudd government. So I think it's important for us as voters to ask tough questions of the, of the policies that are put up. Let's talk just for a few moments here, Christopher. People who hold to a Christian faith... Uh, you've got this choice of three parties. You've got Labor, you've got the Liberals, you've got uh, SA Best. Uh, you've got issues like, as you already did mention, things like safe schools. Uh, where do the parties stand on that? Euthanasia, you mentioned. Where do the parties stand on that? Prostitution law reform, uh, a, an endeavour to move towards the Nordic model for South Australia. Where do the parties stand? Uh, when you're thinking of those sorts of issues and where Christians might well decide to put their vote, uh, what are your thoughts for where uh, those parties stand? Well, we sent a, a questionnaire to all the declared lower house candidates about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, uh, and we asked them specific questions on safe schools, uh, euthanasia, prostitution law reform, uh, uh, the preservation of the exemptions for um, uh, religious institutions uh, in their choice of, of employees, etc., uh, drug policy and um, uh, pokies. And um, we've got responses from about a dozen liberal candidates, probably once SA Best and perhaps one Dignity Party, um, and from Robert Brokenshire in the upper house for the Australian Conservatives. We haven't had any response from the Greens or from Labor, unfortunately, and that's, that's, a, that's a, a regret that they haven't engaged with us um, because the Christian constituency is a real and a, an important constituency. If people want to go and see the answers that are up at the moment, you go to our website, acl.org.au, and when you go there, you'll see a tab, SA Election, and you click on that, and you'll be able to work through and um, find um, 
people who've responded, what their position is on those issues. Some are private positions, some are party positions. Uh, tonight at 7.30 at the Southland Church at Five Ash Drive, Pasadena, that's in the Pasadena Shopping Center for those who are listening in South Australia, we're having an upper house forum and Robert Brokenshire from the Conservatives and Terry Stevens from the Liberals are coming and they'll have a chance to speak to people who attend and people will have a chance to ask them questions directly through a moderator. We invited all the other parties, but only two took it up. So that's an opportunity people have to, to directly deal with their politicians and ask them questions. Okay. Um, so... It is very telling, isn't it? Because I know the Australian Christian lobby, whenever there is a state election or federal election, these surveys are very important for gleaning and gaining a perspective where the major parties sit on all of these issues. And as you are indicating, uh, Christopher, uh, there's been some uh, those who are ignoring the survey once again, and that is very, very telling. And so for listeners who are wondering about uh, where those parties stand, the likelihood is their silence indicates that they don't stand in a position that typically would be the place where uh, Christians might think ethically they might be thinking is a a good stance on those issues, issues like safe schools or euthanasia or prostitution law reform. And uh, as you say, Christopher, you're having that gathering tonight at Southland. Uh, and that's a uh, uh, a gathering that uh, that people are invited to to put questions to those uh, those members who are turning up to answer those questions. I want to ask you too about the election page that you have on the Australian Christian Lobby website because this is a easy to access opportunity for people to look at those survey results and see where the parties and the individual candidates stand. How do you encourage people to make use of that ACL election page? Well. First, go on there, have a look, find your electorate so that you'll find the electorates of people who have answered. There you can, for example, click onto the Adelaide tab and you'll see Rachel Sanderson for the Liberals has provided some answers. And so you can check against um, your convictions uh, what she says. Then I would encourage people to engage with their politicians directly. This is a time that politicians are uniquely sensitive to us as voters. So as an example, last Wednesday, I I got a a call call from a staffer for the candidate for our seat of Badco. And they said, what are you interested in? I said, prostitution law reform. He said, well, I'll get the candidate to ring me back. And Jane Stinson rang me back. I spoke to her, asked her what her view was. She said, look, I'd like to know your views. I've got some private views, but I'm canvassing what people think. So um, I told her what we're uh, advancing, the issue of the Nordic model. Uh, uh, She was a bit surprised that ACA was pressing for a change, which we are. Um, But uh, And that's a direct contact that we had, not that wasn't of my own making, that was engineered by the other side, by the politician. But they are at the moment really sensitive to what you think. So if you ring up their office, they will get back to you. Okay, so the encouragement here is for listeners in South Australia, this is a good time uh, to pick up the phone and call your local MP and candidates who will be standing for the South Australian election. 
and also for those who are just wanting the information about candidates, where they might stand on particular issues in South Australia, go to the Australian Christian Lobby website at acl.org.au and you'll be able to access the research information that's there to enable Christian voters to be informed about where parties stand on those issues from a Christian perspective. And uh, Christopher Browyer is the State Director for Australian Christian Lobby in South Australia. Christopher, thank you so much for your insights today. And uh, it's valuable. No doubt we'll be talking again in the lead-up to the South Australian election. And I appreciate you taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thanks for the time, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.